cannot believe it. Not one word was said there, fellas, and I didn't <laughs> even instruct yeah, you not to. Actually, my wife's just dropped me off some cake. Oh, so, okay. What um, flavour? Yeah, I was actually having a mouthful of cake. What variety have you got? What cake? Mm. I've got um, orange meringue or whatever, uh, meringue cake, whatever it's called, okay. and I've got this blackberry one, and I've got these um, shortbreads with jam. Oh, very Ooh, yeah. nice. Biscuits as well. Mm. Love a good shortbread. Yeah. Mm. Oh, with coffee. Cool. And I've got my dog trying to come and eat. <laughs> Piss off. You only come to me for food, you bastard. <laughs> Welcome to the show, fellas. Welcome to the listeners as well. I know we're uh, back after a, a loss, but uh, we'll bounce back. We'll be all right. CB, good to have you back, mate. After you. It was it was a moral victory. Yeah, we can <laughs> say that now, can't we? Everyone else says it. Welcome back, CB, after a week off. How have you been? Yeah, good, thank you. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, and um, enjoy yourself, the time mate. away. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we did, mate. Easter Bunny come like, like I needed to eat more chocolate. But yes, no, um, the he's a great man, Easter Bunny. Come along and um, chopped off some little eggies for me and I smashed them duly. So it was good. How about you, boys? Have a good Easter. Everyone good? Going all right. I reckon I reckon we've got enough Easter eggs to get us through the next four or five months. But that's a byproduct of two young kids, I think, and they get uh, overwhelmed with Easter eggs. But it's trying to keep them the eggs out of the two-year-old's hands is the tricky part because he knows where they live. Uh, and even on Easter Sunday, I think it was, he, everyone was over and he kind of went quiet for a little bit. And I thought, he's just sort of ducked off somewhere. And I followed, I went down to our bedroom and uh, there, sure enough, he was sitting on our bed with two of the big Easter rabbits trying to sneakily eat them away from our view. So we've got our challenges in the household, but it's all good. So uh, I just want to, oh, what about you, Mick? How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, no, you wait till your boys get older. Um, for my boys, um, they polish off Easter eggs in probably 45 minutes um, and then they just move on to everything else. So it's amazing how much chocolate they can put down. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm, I'm assuming as they get older, they can handle it a bit better. In terms yeah, of they, they don't, can. They don't lose, their, lose the plot afterwards like what uh, our young fella does. They can. I, this is a completely unrelated comment but i just want to say how nice it is sitting out in the garage when it's cold because i can wear my 2019 premiers hoodie uh, it's a nice little touch instead of just wearing a t-shirt and shorts so i do enjoy wearing the uh, richmond grand final stuff around but uh anyway nice yeah uh, it's any chance you get go to the shops just for no reason whatsoever wear your, wear your premiership gear folks get it out there i don't wear my premiership gear every day every time i go out public I've got, I always wear it, so um, yeah, no. Every time, every time I feel a bit frisky, I just drop a blue pill and make the missus wear mine. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, right uh, big game against Port Tiggs. You're leading the way. Thoughts on the game? Okay, let's talk about the elephant first, Jam. Yeah? Which elephant? The umpiring. Now, I, the umpiring did not cost us the game. Let me just put that clear. What cost us a game was two fucking stupid decisions. Bolter. He's still eating people... cake, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't tell. He's yeah, still sorry. trying, to, he's still trying <laughs> no, to shove right. down another sprinkle yeah, you, of cake. I was expecting you to ramble. You normally ramble before you fucking <laughs> throw to the game. You just went throwing. All right. Okay. I'm trying to stop it. That's it. I'm, now my mouth is empty, which is good. All right. Yeah, Bolter. He's hopefully gets a fucking really strong learning from this, right? He... He had no point. Now, it was really soft. I had a look at the vision. It was really soft. And it was that Geo Gardas, whatever his name was, actually pumping and shoving with Bolter. And Bolter's just had enough of it and just sort of picked him up and thrown him out. 
but with the way the umpire was umpiring the game, they were like looking, and I've got stats which I'll talk a little bit later in, later in the Tiger Den to back up my philosophy of what's happening to our club at the moment. Um, they, they're actively seeking free kicks against, right? And he just gave them an, an option to do it, which means the ball from the wing, which we were attacking, um, got sent back to the other end and they scored a goal. And then we had that ludicrous decision, which is the worst decision ever officiated. And it's that says a lot considering how bloody well we'll reigned against the Swans. Umpire number 16 at the boundary, literally, what, half a metre away from Robbie Gray, taking the ball clearly over the line in it by a metre, playing play on, allowing him to bring the ball in have and snap a good goal. So that shouldn't have been allowed. So that's two goals. Wouldn't have happened. And, you know, the bolter free kick, it should have been a bolter free kick for holding the ball, but umpires being the umpires, how they're umpiring, let it go and Gray got the goal. So make no mistake, even saying that, um, it sounds like I'm saying the umpires cost us. They didn't because we have some major issues at the moment. Where, and I posted this on the Big Footy um, review thread. We're, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that we're rolling a half forwards up high to support our midfield because our midfield's getting smashed at the moment, which in turn leads our forwards outnumber, which means when we pump the ball in high and long, which we seem to be doing stubbornly, we're getting Lynch trying to bring the ball to ground or Jack trying to bring the ball to ground, and they've got hardly any support. And when the forwards, small forwards get there, they get there rushed because they're running full tilt. Perfect example of that is George Castagna. He was having a fantastic game. If he had a bit, if he was in the forward line when that ball was coming in, he would have been able to probably get connection to his foot on that ball and would have won us the game. But because he's running at full speed, he miskicked it, and then Gray obviously handballed it within the rules um, for a for a behind. Um, so that that's one issue. We have got no connection between our midfield to our forwards. Um, we lost it at selection. You're a real big thing for me. I, I think. We missed an opportunity. Look, I love the both kids were in the side, but really should have only put one because we had Hawley in the side. It's his first game, and he was rusty as all hell. I don't know what your thoughts on that was, Michaels, when you saw it, but he was rusty as all hell. For, for the first two quarters, he was not a liability, but he didn't really offer anything. Yeah, I think I put something either on the board or on Twitter that there was a couple of really non-Hawley-like errors, I think we can call yeah. it. Um, and, and look, it's rusty. He he's played VFL for a couple of weeks. It's a whole different level when you're playing against a team like Port. So understandable there's a bit of rust, but uh, there was one or two disposals that hurt us a little bit. But having said that, he wasn't alone. But I think as the game went on, he warmed into it. But I take your point, though, because yeah. I actually thought not only had the two debutantes, Hawley sort of coming back for his first game, but Art's also heavily out of form too. It, it felt like there were too many gaps to cover. Because see, Arts is not an aerobic beast like a Lambert. We're asking him to play a Lambert-type role in running, you know, pushing into the midfield and running back forward, and, it, and it's affecting his form. Like, at the end of the day, we've got to make a decision, on. hopefully it's this week, because with the Saints forwards, we're going to need to do this. Let them play in their best positions and just just go with it, you know, play to our strengths. Because he's getting exhausted. He's not been able to contribute, but he is, you're right, he's out of form. But look, I was right with Hooley. He got better as the game went on, like you said. Um, what I loved, the positive I got out of the game, our midfield, who's been absolute shit for two and a half weeks, turned the corner in the last half. Like, we were getting smashed in the clearances. I think I think it was like a differential of close to 20. It was We big. ended up yeah. there. But after half time, we ended up um, evening it somewhat. Like, I think even even when we won the last half, we at the end of the game, it was 36 to 24, where if it was going like it was in the first half, it would have been 
bloody 48 to 12. That's how bad we were. So that was good. Um, Port played a Port game. They didn't play any differently. Um, Richmond, we're trying to spread a lot more aggressively than normally we're, you know, getting contested and then fan it out by handball. But we're trying to obviously still work out these new rules and what we do every every year, you know, we'll spend six weeks absorbing the opposition, observing what they do, absorbing what they throw, tinker with what we do, and then we start steamrolling. So I'm not concerned, but it was a pity. I, I was really shitty after that game because we should have won it. Um, the KPIs, if you don't understand football and you have a look at it, you know, we got smashed inside marks. You know, efficiency, we were shit inside 50 you know, 8% off our average, we're at 40% where we're normally at 48 but that's a connection problem that we've got. Um, inside 50s, we're used to clubs like Port, you know, they're not really quality inside 50, so I wasn't concerned about their 61 or our 49. But it was really, we had a method of play. We played a Richmond brand, which is pleasing. After the Sydney game, it was good to see that. Um, but we're just causing too many self-inflicted errors. Like Nan Curvis, you know, to Grimes, which was a goal. That was a shocker. Oh, I don't blame Nank. He's exhausted, mate. He's he's that that for me was a fatigue kick. That was you know I'm fucking tired. Okay, not thinking. Let's just do the easy kick because I can't kick any any kicked it over Grimes' head. But what are your thoughts, mate? What did you think? I've given my um ten bob. Yeah, you've taken all my stats. You killed me. Um, no, it's I think it was a marked improvement from last week, and I think. The supporter base is kind of that's what we wanted to mainly see, and we knew that was going to come. We knew last week was just one of those shit, shit kind of games against the Swans. But I think the what frustrated me the most was the last quarter. Port obviously had a couple of players who were really hurt off the ground, um, and we know that we have got good running capabilities. And I and I said to a few mates, I said we, we have to go all out attack here and put them under the pump, and we did. We had them the repeat inside fifties was off the chart. We just weren't lowering our eyes to hit a target. Um, and so not being able to take that mark and convert that goal inside 50 killed us. We had plenty of chances to win that game and put them away, but we just rushed it and they defended well. Jack missed a goal. He maybe should have kicked. Um, then you get on the other end and I think Robbie Gray kicks one from the boundary line. So we had our chances, but it was nice to see an improvement of endeavour um, and just effort all around, so which which we didn't have the week before against the Swannies. Uh, CB, I, I know you watched the mini highlights reel on KO. What was your take from what you saw? And I didn't realise that was a thing, by the way. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I don't really have much to add, lads. Like I said, I've been a bit busy, as you know, the last couple of weekends, and I've really just been catching up on the highlights. And as you know, when you lose, you tend to, tend to sook up a little bit and don't watch the whole game, so I didn't. <laughs> but I, I, will, I will say this, and, and, and uh, Tig's brought up, in the pre-talk, like that that goal that that guy got when he literally went into the stand, ate a pie, got a couple of dimmies, had a can of Coke, and then um, was able to set up the goal. There's just some just some things. I won't go into it because Tiggs I'm talking about. I, just, I, I feel a little uneasy with the umpiring fraternity in our club at this stage. Mm. It's just things that I'm seeing. But yeah, that's yeah. That, and, and Dimmer, that was probably the one that Dimmer did point out in his press. I mean, he was asked about it, to be fair. Uh, but even he said, oh, well, Robbie Gray uh, was in row two or three, wasn't he, when he when they, when they he had that ball? But, yeah, disappointing when you see people in a position to pay. But, it, like we said, that's not the reason why we lost. There was plenty of other things we could have done. So, yeah. the question I want to ask you about, I know we kind of touched on it and I kind of probably uh, spoiled it a little bit myself, but 
CB ask you first, even though you didn't watch all of it, do you think it was a selection mistake to play two debutantes and an out-of-form arts and a fresh Hooli against a team like Port Adelaide, or is it good exposure for them nonetheless? No, I reckon I had no issue with Hooli coming in. I had no issue with arts playing. I just reckon you're probably flirting with form a little bit, given that we'd been absolutely belted by Sydney. To play two debutantes, I can't remember the last time we actually played two debutantes in the same game. So we might have got a little bit cute with that, and it might have bit us on the ass a little bit. From what I understand, young Martin was um, found out a little bit um, from the commentary I read, and um, I know Tiggs is going to say some things down the line which I 100% agree with. But yeah, I think we flirted with form a little bit. Tiggs, do you reckon? I know we had conflicting views about Martin's game. That's okay. But uh, did you think it was flirting with form a little bit? Yeah, I thought you were an ad- a- absolute prick to him, Michaels. To be honest, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, buddy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Look, just on Martin. Look, it's a huge jump up from like we don't know what it's like. You know, we've never played AFL seniors, right? But some of us have played MO footy. Um, and you know, I haven't. I didn't do VFL because obviously I had, I had life priorities outside of football, but. Um, I felt for him too because he didn't have the leadership um, around him that he would normally would have, you know, um, to actually – when we brewdry bring kids in, the reason why they're pretty good, if you know, if you remember last year and the year before, Jesus, Richmond's brought in Graham and he looks like a 200 game. And, you know, Richmond brought in Shy Bolt to look how good he is. Because generally when we do that, we have the core of our leadership group around them um, in the position that they play. And it seemed like – with Hooley in his first game back, um, particularly for – I love that kid that played in the back line, but for Martin himself, I think he he tried. Look, he was daring. He tried to be daring, but had no game awareness. Um, and I think just the noise of the crowd over, where, um, overawed him. But were we cute? I think we weren't cute. We were dumb. We looked into the game and we thought, okay, we need to, for some reason, we need spread on the ball, so we need to get speed, more speed into the game. Where with Port, them not having Rockcliffe, but them having Wines and Boak – what I reckon we should have done is go, okay, Prestia's out. If we want to go two new kids, put RCD in. That's like for like. He's an inside. He's elite. His hands are elite inside, RCD. Um, and he can burst from stoppage. I would have got RCD over Martin. And then um, I forgot when the other lad is that played in the uh, Mansell. Right, he played Mansell. well. I like yeah. him. I, he attacked the he's, contest he's hard. A yeah, he's yeah. a Richmond player. Yeah, he's lost two games worth of fucking match payments already, but he's a Richmond boy, right? He did. He goes at the ball. Um, he goes at the ball hard, um, and I, I like that. He's a, he was a good pick to put in. He learned a lot from that game, and I reckon that game's going to really suit him because um, he picked up the tempo pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, we should have gone for RCD. Um, and even though that still would have been a debutante, he just would have had that bit more exposure and form at VFL level, oh, I guess. But exactly. I, I liked I liked Mansell. I thought, yeah, it was a, a hot contest, and I thought he held his own all right. He defended all right, hit the contest hard, um, had a bit of pace about him. So I won't be shocked if he plays again this week, to be honest. So well done to the two lads nonetheless. And even though I gave you a bit of a clip, Martin, just because you played 65% of game time, which kind of hurt us, but you're a Richmond man, and we will back you in, and you will no doubt prove me wrong in the future. Can I give... Can I give one player a bit of credit that I came to a realisation that dawned on me during the game that from now on I'm going to enjoy appreciating him for what he brings to the side. I call it a Macintosh moment, right? Um, I had a Macintosh moment with Pickett at the game. I reckon um, on the port game was his best game for the club, even above the grand final performance in his debut game. What I've come to realise, and anyone listening to this, please take these words to heart. 
if you're like me and get frustrated with Mark um, Pickett when he's in the back half and he fumbles, and then or he might do a scraggy kick, what it is, and I've come to realise this, he's not a one-touch player. Never has been um, in the games that I've seen him to be. But what he does, if you get past that and go, okay, he's not a one-touch player and just move on and expect it, then he strengths. He does what no other person on our list does. It's very rare to see. He reminds you of Pickett, um, uh, Derek Pickett or whatever his name, Byron Pickett. He tackles with intent to hurt, but legally, right? And that's – I applaud that. That he – when he hits you, when he lines you up and he hits you, you know you're being tackled by Marlon Pickett. And that's something that can spread throughout the whole team. He does it legally. He, um, Yeah, he might give the odd head, odd head high free kick, but he's also a pretty smart footballer and he's tough as nails. And the thing I appreciated about him, he motored. He just ran and ran and ran and ran yeah, and was, ran. I liked his game too. He was, yeah, he was yeah, really he was good. good. So kudos. And he is Shepherds. For the love of yes. God, more people do yeah. that. Protect the guy with the ball instead of trying to run the same speed next to him. But no, I, I like Pickett's game too. So no, it was good. Good shout. Good shout. Uh, CB, Bloodbath. And now I know you put out a bit of a tweet about this. And the funny thing is it's not going the direction people think. Oh, I've got to play the intro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Here we go. I can... <laughs> oh, shit. All right. All right, CB, give it to us, baby. What's the bloodbath about this week? There's two ways I can present this, but I'm just going to come out and say it. Matt Rendell. And now I'm going to I'm going to say his name, Matt Rendell, and now I'm going to lead off with a quote from Matt. Trust me, Richmond did not want a place in that grand final, and they would have been giving high fives after GWS got in there. Collingwood really broke down their game and defend really well on them. And they really worry about Mason Cox and Brody Majek. And they would have been going, GWS just handed us the flag. So that's interesting, Matt. So I did some research. And I looked at our last, well, since 2015, Richmond results versus Collingwood. And what I've come up with is since 2015, and this includes the prelim, Richmond have won six. Collingwood have won three, and we've had a draw. And that would have been a win if Jack Rewalt could kick 30 metres. Right? So you could say, argue it's seven and three. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, six and three. Then I dug a little deeper, and I looked at Mason Cox's career versus Richmond. Right? And I didn't include – so to be fair, I didn't include the games, the numbers where he didn't play. Okay? Mason Cox – and this includes the prelim, averages 1.83 goals a game against Richmond. Brody Majacek, the other great white worry for us, apparently, he averages 1.4 goals per game against us. And I thought to myself, well, thought, that's, that's interesting. Now, Jack Rewald's been playing for, what, 13 years? Jack Rewald versus Collingwood averages 2.29. Furthermore... We then have Tom Lynch. Since Tom Lynch has come to Richmond, can anyone guess here, what does Tom Lynch average against Collingwood while playing for Richmond? How many games is it? Four? Yep. He's kicked a few bags on them too. So I'd say around about two points something. I'll go three. I was going to say three. Yeah, three. Okay. Tom Lynch averages 3.66 goals a game against Collingwood (laughs) while playing for Richmond. So 
so Matt, I ask this, have you really broken Richmond down? And oh, how I laughed as the so-called team you should have never lost to in 2019 just pantsed you again at the MCG. My biggest regret of 2019 was that we never got to smash the shit out of the bigoted racist pile of skunk shit that is the Collingwood Football Club. <laughs> we didn't want to avoid you. It was the opposite. But as Nathan is six weeks away from getting to ninth, I guess we'll never get to see that matchup. Collingwood was nothing more than a flash in the pan, a Bradbury grand finalist, and two flags in 60 years to Richmond's eight suggests you were on a collision course with the ultimate humiliation. Matt, you're a dickhead. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> uh, well, I don't see. I like it when you finish off with calling someone a dickhead. Well done. Very good. But, yeah, I, I did laugh when I saw his comments. Um, and I'm wrapped that you put the research in that you did because that just makes it all the more funny. So It's, it's outrageous. Look what, oh, oh, mate, I would have beat you. I wasn't good enough to get past the shitter team to get to you and beat you, but, you know... I would have beat you. Like, come on, he's a Mason fucking Cox idiot. being the barometer on the back of he's played one good game against us, albeit an important game. We'll give that to him. But, yeah, let's not um, go crazy with that kind of call. Uh, I like that, we CB. Sh- well done. And uh, to all those people out there hoping that was going to be about the umpires, <coughs> I don't think you've been let down. I think this is another good take. So appreciate the work. All right, Tiggs, your turn. Tiger 71, Den. And any intro? Do you want me to wait? Or no fucking intro? No, no, <laughs> Oh, you know, you got the song Eye of the Tiger. You could easily fucking use that. Try. Oh, yeah, I can work with that. Okay. Eye of the Tiger, fucking. Just put that on next show. Listeners, tweet out, you know, that you're going to do false orders to his wife's company for food oh, if he doesn't put it in right. Put the <laughs> sticker right up him, right? That's what I reckon. No, I'm only joking. Look. Um, He's not. Yeah, <laughs> Look, after the two after the two weeks of literally the uh, like CB sort of said he's concerned about the umpiring trend and watching all four games that we've played so far this year. Now I'm the emotional top of bloke and I, I I shoot off at the mouse. That's why I tweet during games now. Just put a bit of raw emotion with the listeners and you know outside of a few it's been well received. But it got me thinking. You know, take emotion out of it and do a bit of digging, right? And what was good during that SEN. Um, brought out uh, an article today that sort of backs up what I'm saying, but with a bit of a difference. Now, Richmond's always, well, when I say always, from 2017 I went back to till now, we've always been bottom four in relation to free kicks four. So we've generally been worse. Um, uh, We lead the league of conceding the most free kicks if you add all all of them up together. But um, there was one year where we were third last. Um, So... Yeah, so this year we're last again, right, by country mile. We're literally, um, for people that haven't seen it, just go to the SCN website, but we're negative 27. So we're right on with Geelong, which surprised me a little bit. And then I had a look at the numbers and what do they mean? Now, normally you can break it down, who in your side gives the most free kicks away? Now, you normally, outside of this year, every other year we've had two players in the top 10, which makes sense. You know, if you concede more free kicks than any other side, you're going to have players that are conceding free kicks that would be in the top 10. In this case, we don't. So I had a bit of a chat. I actually spoke to an ex-Richmond player today. I'll keep his name out of it because I don't want to um, um, I don't want to embarrass him um, without his permission. But um, he confirmed the philosophy that I've got that I believe that the club may have um, and he's investigating and doing it within the rules to ask a please explain. But I sort of said a couple of years ago, and I'm a firm believer on this, we have umpires that umpire to the jumper. 
They don't umpire on what they see. Because often, often occasions they might be a little bit blindsided. So they'll just assume um, this is what's happened based on the jumper that they actually see. That's why some people, when they see us with our yellow yellow strip, we're commenting on Twitter before the game, oh, we get better runs with the yellow instead of the you know yellow and black um, Guernsey, our home Guernsey. Um, so there's probably that's probably relevant because obviously different Guernsey might break that subconscious a little bit. But um, having no one in the top 10 tells me that across the board, our team, each individual playing is being hit more than they have any other year. Oh, that's that's just common sense. So some of the non-decisions done against Port were criminally bad. Like, you know, Bolter's tackle that led to no call being made, that led to Gray's last goal. That, for me, was systematic of what was going on in that game. You had you had Butters actually throwing himself into, like I think it was in the third quarter, he literally threw himself into Grimes. All Grimes could do was fall back. But the umpire, who was on the left side of the contest, has guessed that Grimes, well, hugs, ping him for a free kick. When in the video replay showed that wasn't the case. And the biggest one that really got me that, that this Richmond player actually showed it to me when we watched a little bit of a snippet of the game today was there was an encounter where we had three Richmond players around one poor player and it was on the wing and it got called a block. And no Richmond player, if you have a look at it, no Richmond player blocked that poor player. That poor player just dived forward in the contest with only one Richmond player and it was called a block. Um, and we lost. We were streaming towards God. We would have obviously got a turnover there and gone again for another inside 50. So it's a concern. Um, I've got faith that the club is seriously sick of it and is asking a few questions. Sort of uh, hard to allude to some of that in his press conference. So watch this space. I'll see. It's 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 getting really bad. Um, it's the worst I've seen it. Um, and it's going to be interesting come to Saints because St Kilda is just as bad as us. Um, and they can't use, in relation to the freeze um, against ladder, they're at negative 21, we're at negative 27. Um, but if you think, oh, if you ever get someone so oh, you give more free, free kicks as your game plan, slap that ignorant fool in the head because they don't know what they're talking about. Our game plan is being copied by Port and they don't concede, concede the same amount of free kicks we do. And they're just as brutal. That's why... Poor, poor um, Ryan. He's lost two match payments. Um, he's probably going to have to play four matches to get back all the fines that he's got. And you can't sit there and tell me Richmond players are the only one infringing, only one playing tough. Poor players were doing the same, but they just didn't get pinged. And I think it's, I think you know, not not to tinfoil hat. I think the data's starting to prove it. We're being targeted, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't think it's advertently. I think it's just a, it's a passive targeting of our club. Um, and hopefully our club's drawn a line in the sand and will fight against it. That's my take. Fair enough. It's an interesting set of uh, data that kind of, yeah, it becomes hard to ignore. And I, I actually, ironically enough, did this similar kind of look back that you did at our, our last maybe four years of uh, the free kick differentials. I remember even making a closest to the pin comp on the board about it. That's how ridiculous it was getting. I think we got negative 100 one year, which is just yep. mind-blowing. And I get that we play on the edge, and we all accept that. Um but so does all. So does every other team, really. If we're being honest, all other teams play on the edge. So it's just, I think they need to start calling it how they see it. Um, but at the end of the day, there's still plenty of other things we can do within the game to to kind of eradicate it and to get the results. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this keeps playing out and developing. Tiggs, nice observations there. Can, can yeah, I just me... put? 
can I put a challenge into all of us then in, in yep. the show when we give our margins? Okay. Can we also incorporate a free kick count for oh, and against? Oh, I like it. Yes, yes, we, we can. Absolutely. All righty. Um, do we go and listen to questions, boys? Yes. We will. We'll change it. I did have CB introducing this, but you can do it, Tiggs, because we've flipped the questions. So you're going to ask the first one to CB. All right. So Daniel I've got that Eagle. right, haven't I, CB? That's you right. have. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. You do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question for you, DB, from Daniel e- Eagle. DB. Uh, yeah, CB, I said. Um, you've been drinking, Michael? You're wrong? Uh, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> oh, good man, good man. Um, what are your thoughts on Lynch start to the year? I have heard a lot of negativity around him, but personally, I see him getting held almost at every contest contest, and crashing packs hard. It's a pass mark for me so far. What do you think? First of all, Daniel, um, good evening. I think you're correct. Um, there is some negativity around him, but I'm with you. Uh, if you watch the games and just see how hard he gets blocked and checked, um, he doesn't really have a lot of freedom to move and impact games like he has previously. And also, I think he started the season with a bit of a foot issue, so I'm not sure whether that might be troubling him. But uh, for mine, um, I'm still giving him a pass mark because he still takes two defenders which, and crashing packs and bringing the ball to ground and all those things. So he's still performing his role within the team. But when we get to the ins and outs, I've sort of got some thoughts around what I think will help a guy like him and check out. Thank you. Very good. You're going again there, Tiggs. You're, you're asking back-to-back questions. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Jared Douglas. I thought Mansell was okay. Martin struggled with speed of the game, needs more time. Can you discuss the deliberate rule, please? It constantly amazes me. The rule is open to interpretation by design. This way, most decisions are deemed correct, regardless whether they are paid or not. Michaels, your thoughts? Very, very true. They are. That's the problem. They're correct whether they're paid or not. Um, and it's the fact there's four umpires who have got different interpretations. So if we look at the one that Bolton, uh, Bolter got pinged for late in the game when he was tackled, and it was a, an errant handball, went out of bounds, and they got and they paid deliberate, and they go down the other end and score. I think. Then you look at the Robbie Gray rush behind at the end. Yes, it's within the rules of the game. But if he had done that over the boundary line, what would have it been called? It would have been paid deliberate out of bounds. And I think this is where the issue is and frustration is for fans that deliberate's deliberate. Why does it matter what part of the ground you're in? Just officiate it the same. Um, that's just, I reckon that would just help clear up any confusion. It shouldn't matter if it's going through for a point or if it's out of bounds. Yeah, just make it consistent. <laughs> and it, it might help resolve some of the issues. All right, uh, from Sergio, this is for UCB. We seem desperately short of classy small forward options with Rioli out of form and Arts not really looking up to it. Do we rush in Rioli Jr. into the team? Are there other options in the VFL or do we need to recruit outside of the club? Actually, um, first thing I'll say is absolutely not on Morris Rioli Jr. Um, I just, I know we sort of get, everyone gets excited about these new recruits and rush him in. No, we don't need to. But I do agree that Arts is um, unfortunately out of form for, for whatever reasons, and Rioli has been out of form, but he had a good game in the resis by all accounts. Um, and what I'll do, I'll actually make a comment, and then I'll let Tiggs comment, because we're on the same page with something. Um, I think we've got a forward in the team ready to go, but we don't seem to play him forward anymore. He's a 45-goal-a-year forward, and I'm talking about Josh Caddy. I think if we just structure... <coughs> If we just structure uh, up a little differently and put some square pegs in square holes, I think we will be a more potent forward scoring um, unit. What do you reckon, Tiggs? Agree? 
Yeah, agree, but we'll, I'll delve into it more when we do our ins and outs, bud. Yep, no worries. Rightio, well, on to that. We'll also go to the next question from The Tale. Tiggs, what should the lost a grand final to Richmond curse be called? This would be good. Tail, great question, mate. Um, you're obviously an astute footy observer. Um, and to pay the question talent, um, uh, to pay the question its respect that it's deserved, it really, it's not a curse at all, mate. What it is, the reason teams that play the grand final um, have suffered after playing us is because they don't have the uh, medical team, they don't have the rehab, rehab team, they don't have the fitness staff that we have. And it's proven time and time again and Geelong are going through it at the moment. Because when you finish the grand final, straight away you're four weeks behind everybody else, four or five weeks behind everybody else. And that's a big chunk. You cannot dismiss it. Um, that's why it really impacts. It can impact your whole year if you don't manage it correctly. So um, it's it's not a curse as such. It just highlights everyone that we've played so far has major issues. Um, they're not as professionally run as us in relation to off-field rehab, training loads, um, and standards. That's how I see it. So that's the reason why they struggle. Um, um, but the curse I will call, it's it's the malingerer curse. They're malingerers. They just don't go hard enough. The, the Sri Lankan fast bowlers. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fair enough call. I, I'm happy to death ride you along to get a better pick. I just think we all should be. Yeah, how, how bad is their game style being exposed at the moment? Because they're they're, un, they're not match fit like like other sides. Like, we're not match fit yet either, but at least we... We scrounge together some results. Yeah, at least we look competitive. They just look like... Fucking thank God for the... Thank God Hawking's given them the mark kick rule. Oh, the I'll, new CEO. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave that one crazy. alone. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> is, is anyone else actually just delighting for the fact that the rule was meant to nobble us a bit is actually nobbled that guy's team even worse? <laughs> oh, no. It is ironic, isn't it? It's... And to be fair, Four I reckon lines. a lot of us, I reckon a lot of us thought it was it was going to heavily help them with their game yep. style, but whether they haven't adjusted yet, they might change. Who knows? But now it's nice to see them chalk up a few losses and improve our pick position. Now, do I have to ask you this question? Or yeah, yeah, I tell you, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Michael, uh, yep. yeah, Tigerland Terror has got a question for you. When, if ever, uh, umpires going to be held accountable for their performances? They won't be, and I put out a tweet about this after one of our games that I've thought for a while, and people might laugh and think this is ridiculous, but I've thought that umpires should also have a press conference after the game, like what the, both coaches do, just so the media can ask for clarity on any sort of dubious decisions just to get... It's more of an educational thing. It's not the shit can or to point the finger, but it gives them a chance to own up to any mistakes that they know were made, which I think people will respect and appreciate a lot more, uh, because everyone knows it's a tough gig. There's no hiding from that, but we can't keep blowing smoke up their ass and pretending like they haven't made mistakes. You have to own it. And then if we can get some further clarity straight after a game while it's fresh in everyone's mind and we can sort of address those things, I actually think that will help keep umpires accountable. It'll help relationships between players and umpires and supporters and umpires, and that'll hopefully extend down a grassroots level as well. But it'll never happen. I understand that. But that would be how I'd like to see them held accountable. And the last one I'm redirecting to you, Tiggs, from Jonathan Lawson. This would be an interesting, because I would have, actually would have liked to have heard the real-time comment here. What was the best thing you yelled at the TV in response to the free against Basher Hooley for the holding the ball after it was touched off the boot? Oh, jeepers. I got had one Twitter, um, uh, I think it was accusing me for swearing Michaels, and then you threw me under the bus saying, you don't swear. Um <laughs> 
So I, I, I would have to say it was a, a few beep, bleep, 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 bleep. But um, cheating maggots got yelled a few times, I would think. Um, that's basically what I was screaming at the TV at the time. CB, well, oh, actually, I know it was directed at uh, Tiggs, but I want to know what you thought as well, because this was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Yeah. No, as I, as I said, mate, in, in the previous, remember, I, I haven't seen... You haven't seen... You, seen yes, a, you actually haven't I've seen, 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 seen the footage. No, 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 I haven't seen a bit of footage. No, I've, I've, I've literally seen a 25-minute right. highlights package, so... I, I can see I, why um, they left this out. Do you want me to paint the picture for you and I'll get your reaction on the spot? Yeah, so the ball, the ball's kicked inside our defensive 50... Basher Hawley takes an uncontested mark and the umpire's called touched off the boot as he's marked it. And he hasn't heard it. Uh, it's pretty loud there and hostile, as you can imagine. A few port players converge on him, take him to ground. He's looking a little bit confused. The umpire waits, waits and waits and then awards holding the ball against him and they've got a shot on goal. Now, I don't recall any other game time in a game that that's ever been given holding the ball. They've always given benefit of the doubt to the, the player who didn't hit touch. And to Hawley's credit, the man he is, asked for an explanation, coughed it on the chin and said, okay, and moved on. But what's your take on that? It's pretty disgusting if that's what's happened. Yeah. Like, yeah they've, go, got to, uh, they've got to be better than that. Yeah. And it was just criminal. It, yeah. I could not believe it. It's, it's, but, it's not, uh, not as if Basher Hall is a known cheat, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not the yeah. type of guy who... He's, one of the, he's a very honest footballer. So I, I think that's, um, that's, that's... Again, it's it's probably from what I've read across forums and things... It's probably very consistent with how people have taken the umpiring against us um, this week. Mm, very much so. Well, listeners, thank you for the questions and keep sending them through. We'll uh, we'll front up again next week and do our best. And um, now we'll get into the preview of the Round 5 St Kilda game. All right. Uh, I'll also acknowledge as well with the questions. I know there was a lot of questions about some certain players becoming available to play this week. The reason we didn't include them in that segment is because we're going to talk about them now with the ins and outs. Uh, but we're playing St Kilda on Thursday night. Big clash. So St Kilda are 11th. We are 8th, both on two wins and two losses. We've just got the slightly better percentage. The Saints are coming off a, a very impressive come-from-behind win against West Coast. I'm not sure if you blokes were keeping tracks on this score, but... Mid, well, early in the third quarter, even the Saints supporters had written them off and uh, were tearing up memberships, microwaving things similar to what we do. And then I don't know what changed, but they ended up turning a 30-point deficit into a 20-point win. So whatever they did was just incredible. Um, they dominated the clearances quite heavily, which kind of alarms me a little bit, given that's been a bit of a weakness of ours for a few years. And it's something that we don't feel we need to address, I think, from a coaching perspective. Uh, but yeah, the Saints won the clearances 45 to 30, and the stoppage clearances 31 to 19. And that's despite losing the hitouts with Nick Nat dominating that area. So it's going to be a tough game, but I be- you both, you've both sort of messaged me offline about some potential outs for the Saints, which we'll get to later. But uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming game, Tiggs? Look, you hit the nail on the head... If you allow Secure to dominate clearance and particularly stoppage clearance, they're always a dangerous score because um, they play direct. They've taken that from us um, and they've gone the extra level with it. So they'll they'll go just straight down the guts and try to try to score. West Coast were in front because they were actually hitting their targets by foot. Um, and they were getting the contested marks inside fifty. Um Secure's defense isn't that much isn't that great. So but that dried up as soon as uh, they started actually converting their um, stoppage clearance dominance. Um, their forwards couldn't get supply. West Coast forwards and the score and the Avalanche started. Um, so we've got to obviously avoid that. We need to make sure that we play as we played against Port. Get back to playing to our strengths. Is making 
to set the stoppage as dirty as possible, i.e. we invented it because I've never really seen a team do it other than us where we will go in with an out number at the stoppage but surround the contest. So our out number would lose. They will try to break away and be swarmed by two or three players and then make a rush decision. We need to go back to that because if we don't, they, they've got the potential to cut us up um, if we don't go in that route. Look, it's been... Thing there's, uh, they're not going to go in full steam in relation with their rucks. Their rucks, there might be a few injuries. Um, it was reported on the paper today, and you know a few players might not be coming in. So it's an advantage from Nan Curvis. We will speak about the ins and outs a little bit later, but um, I reckon we might have an edge with him in the centre if we choose the right people at selection. Our backs can contain their forwards. They're small forwards. We just need to one-on-one them. That we just need to play them to, you know, just understand that they're small forwards. Try to copy how we play. Best way to beat us is to man them up. So just go one-on-one. So put our smalls onto their smalls and actually pick like for like. It might mean players that we don't necessarily want in the side get in the side because they've got the endurance or the speed to actually go with them. Um, but, yeah, I reckon it's going to be a good game. I reckon a funny note, St Kilda's not won a first quarter all year. So oh, if we okay. can get on, yeah, if we can get on the board early, and get up, get up in front, and then contain them while just staying offensive. That's the key. Don't worry about defending overly much. Just go golf and go. Make it a shootout. Make cool. it a shootout as long as we can, and we should win. Yeah, now like it, like it. I'll say this on their smalls. So they've got um, Higo Butler. And even who's the who's the dude from um, they got from Hawthorne, the Indigenous guy, number eight. Really good footballer when he gets up and about. Hill. Yes. Yes. He's one, he's been a bit down. Yeah. The the one the one chink that I see is I reckon we can expose Higo and Butler in particular and, and and the other guy is um defensively. We know offensively those guys are really, really good and they're dangerous when they're moving one way. But I reckon if we can get them going the other way, I reckon we can actually outwork them. If that makes sense. And I think there's a hell of a big opportunity on out for our half back line this weekend to really um, get the ball going our way. And we're playing in the Bunnings shed, so there'll be no elements to contend with, um, which makes it interesting. And I I do agree with Tiggs. I think if we get the ins right, and we're both thinking the same bloke, um, I think that will assist us structurally in um, keeping things a lot tighter and will will help us all around the ground, but um, yeah, I, I've got I've got three ins, um, but that, that's how I see it. I, I think it's going to come down to work rate and um, who'll go harder for longer. Yeah, fair enough. And hopefully they spent a few more petrol tickets than they would have liked in that comeback against the Eagles. Um, well, did, did anyone else see that? The, the one thing I saw when when um, St Kilda come back was I was actually thinking like that's normally the shit that used to happen to us in the bad old days. And I just thought to myself, thank Christ they got that out of the way a game early. <laughs> yeah, I know. Put... <laughs> the, yeah, it's it's either going to galvanise them and they're going to come out really strong or they're going to be exhausted by about the third quarter. Hopefully it's the latter. Yeah. Uh, the game, where, where it's going to be won and lost. Um, I'll give my take first. And you sort of touched on it with the small forwards there, Tiggs and CB. But uh, an interesting stat I saw from their game against West Coast is tackles inside 50. St Kilda had 18, West Coast had 6. And just by comparison, Port Adelaide had 10 and we had 10. 
18 is a, a ridiculously high number for tackles inside 50. That's well above the league average by quite some way. So they're obviously trying to use that as their one wood similar to what we do. So our forwards are going to have to be sort of hot onto that and make sure... Um, sorry, our defenders are going to have to hold on to it and make sure that they're, they're disposing of the ball quick enough and don't get caught to give away those easy free kicks uh, in front of goal tigs. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, look, we've got the defence to be able to do that. The difference between West Coast likes to contain the ball within the defence to launch an attack. What I mean by that is West Coast's first game plan is as soon as the ball's in there, let's say McGovern's hand, he'll switch it, right? Or he'll kick it with inside the 50 arc and then they'll launch via a switch kick or, or a long kick. So we don't do that. Um, Grimes gets the ball or Shaw gets the ball and they kick it outside of the 50 um, to a con- more often than not. So they're not going to have the opportunity to get that amount of tackles to us if we play to play to our strength or to play to our form. Look, where it's won or lost for me, and we sort of touched on it, but their small forwards is what will either win them or lose them the game. Um, Dan Butler and Higgins, like CB said, have major weaknesses. The reason they did so well last week, they were shit when the heat was on, but as soon as they were told they can just attack, 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 don't worry about the defending, they, it really opened up. So if we can play off them, if we can, man, if we can put a dangerous opponent on both of them, that if we win the ball and our, that opponent's free um, and go through that opponent all the time, it's really going to hurt them on the board. Still's having the gear of his life, Right. So I would put someone like a Graham on him. I would say, all right, here's some learnings, mate. He's your age or close. He's a little bit older, but he's, you know, young football sense. So are you. Go one-on-one like you did with Sloan. That's your task today. Minimise still. Um, they do that. They, they, that's going to really hurt him in the centre. Brad Crouch, I don't rate. Even though he, he chased and tackled, he, he doesn't hurt you. His disposal's iffy at best. So, yeah, what's going to be one or loss is their forwards. If we allow their forwards to play their game, and we worry too much about their offence, we will lose. They need to be worried about our, our offence. Um, that's my opinion. CB? Yep, right. So, so I'm going to have to go into my ins to justify why I th- how I think the game will be won and lost. So I do yeah, apologise. A... I'm, I'm going to have to incorporate no, it in there. It's a natural leader. But, that's fine. But, but for me, CCJ, this is the perfect game for him to come in, right? So my ends, I've got uh, CCJ, McIntosh comes back in, and Josh Caddy. And some people might go, Josh Caddy, uh, but, but hear me out. My outs, uh, not not uh, Dusty Martin, but the other Martin, <laughs> number 36, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mansell and Arts, right? So what I – and what I really want to see us do, by bringing the second Ruckman in, I think we play structurally – our game stacks up a lot better. And so what that will allow, if we get a second Ruckman in, it allows Asprey and Bolter to stay in the defensive arcs and become that general. So, so so Bolter doesn't have to worry about shooting up the ground. He can just do his business and get the ball going our way and Asprey can lock down and do what he normally does. So I think by not sort of chopping and changing so much and having – and, and as, as Tiggs has rightly pointed out, every time one of those guys goes in the middle, we generally lose a bit of momentum. And the ball does start coming in. So you've got those two blokes to, to lock it down defensively. That helps us. But also by playing a second Ruckman, that will hopefully allow us to get another big body behind the ball to help our defence out, which will bring it to ground and allow us to run it out, if that makes sense. Which then means, um, as we're moving the ball around, 
we've still got our targets in Rewalt and Lynch being a lot more mobile. And then what I want to see is Josh Caddy, who likes it, I think he kicked in 2018 45 goals. Yeah, I think it's, so, it's, yep. Yep. It's an opportunity for Josh Caddy to play in the – it doesn't matter what he thinks he's, whether he thinks he's a midfielder or not. He's not. He's a natural sort of utility-type forward. And I think he's most dangerous around the goals. So if Jack goes up the ground and he's our outkick, you know, on the wing, we've still got Caddy and Lynch behind the ball as the secondary units. So I just think with those ins, that's what will help us win the game if we can just get those structures right and ball moving in our way. Does that make sense? Yep, no, it does. Yeah, so that's that's how I sort of think. That's how I think we will win the game. It's going to be one at the selection table for us. So, Tiggs, what about you, mate? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, you stole my thunder with Caddy. Um, I would it's be saying, if I was hard, we've got to be saying a Caddy for the next eight weeks. Not just for this game, but what Port highlighted to me, the Port game, was that we're too predictable to defend. So, it's very easy to defend us because you, you just double-team and um, Jack and you double-team Lynch. Because our smalls are so high up the ground, um, their basic defence can run the ball more off out of the out of forward fifty than more off um, than we can score. So, Caddy for me, he's a great mark for his height. He's a more importantly a smart footballer. Yeah, he's slow. He's not treacle slow, but he's slow. But he makes up for that slowness in being a weapon. Um, he's like our version of Essendon's. Um, who was that porker that just come back in? Oh, um, you're talking about the stringer? Yeah. The package. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, package. the package, right? He's like our package, right? He obviously has his own feelings about where he should be playing. But I reckon now he's really receptive. He just wants fucking game. So if I was hard, we'd say, all right, Ars is taking the ball, um, that spot off you. Here's your opportunity to um, take the spot back and just play him forward. And what it's going to do, it's going to spread their defence. They they can't just double-team our two talls and ignore Caddy because we will start going through Caddy. He'll be marking and he'll be... And he'll and his goals assists are really, really good too. So Caddy needs to come in, regardless if it's the Saints or next week or whether we play the week after, he needs to be in the side. Um, he's too good to be leaving out, particularly for a basic role player like Arts. He was okay to fill a spot with their injuries, but he's a limited footballer. I'm glad he's on the list because you need solid depth, but he's not a gun. Caddy has won us games. He kick-started us in the 17 grand final. He was important in preliminary finals and in semifinals. So he needs to be he needs to be given that chance to build his confidence. So yeah, that's Caddy. I mentioned CCJ after the um after the game in, in the thread on the review, we need to find out if he's a player or not. Now, I was pretty keen to have him in for the Saints game because I reckon we need to put him in for three months regardless of form. And before people start screaming at me, why regardless of form? We need to have this kid understand that regardless if he goes in or out, he's not going to go in or out of the side. We're going to believe and bank in him. It's an opportunity because we haven't got Soldo. Nank's been running to the ground. Nank is doing a Benny Gale. He's moving to the defence and does that really, really well. So just say you can play the both of them. You just have you just have CCJ to stay back in um, when we press forward. Um, when we press, you know, high in our forward fifty, just have CCJ hang back to be part of that wall to bring ball about ball in because he's an intimidating height. He just has to patrol around the, the inside um, the center square area um, and go where he's need to. He's not a forward. I don't want to see him as a forward. If he floats in there and gets the odd mark, great. But I don't want him to put him as a full forward. It's too much pressure for the kid, particularly the way that we're playing to our forward. So 
he, Nank needs that chop out. But I had a bit of a change in thought. If if the noise of Rowan Marshall might not be in and Ryder not, might not be in, it means we're going to be we're going to be uh, Carlisle will be rucking. Um, and if that's the case, um, I would then probably go okay. You know, I'm thinking on the on the run here, but maybe we'll do the CCJ next week and go go okay. Let's go. Let's get another runner inside inside the thing. I, to to man up to actually negative tag Butler. He just runs around with Butler all day. Um, I'll be happy if it like Daniel Rioli knows Butler. He um, put him put him on. Go Dane. All right, you're in. Um, I want you on Butler, and you just tag the shit out of him. You have got the engine. You're taller than him. And you're just as quick. Um, and give him that challenge, and if he, if he, and I'm confident he'll do the job. If he does the job, that's going to build his confidence even further. So, um, I'd probably, I was, I was going to go CCJ, but I'll change my mind. So I'd go Caddy yeah. Rioli in, and McIntosh comes in. Obviously, the two young kids go out, and Arts needs to go out. Arts, he kicked a goal. He was a neat goal, but he doesn't have the upside that the other players can bring. So, um, that's my take. I'm on the same line as CB, especially, and I, and I agree with both of you on the caddy front. He needs to play as that third forward. Um, and I don't want it to come across that he's as good as Dustin Martin, but in terms of strength and our, our positioning defenders, he's he's pretty good at it. So even if he's yeah. isolated deep, he is dangerous and a really hard matchup for any defender. Um, so I, I 100% agree that he needs to be that uh, that third tall and just to provide a marking. He's good at providing a contest. He's a, got good goal sense, um, and he's hard at it. So the only catch is we may lose, obviously, a, a touch of speed with who we have to put out. But I think we've got to try something a little bit different and, uh, and compensate elsewhere. But yeah, McIntosh comes in. I think Hardwick said that the game day will be the 12th mandatory day that he has to meet, uh, that they can come back on. So that's good. And CCJ, I'm all for. And when you look at the VFL reports, he is doing a good job up forward as well when playing there. So at least we know that if there, if there is a need to have to rest him forward instead of wasting a rotation on the bench, that he can play down there as well. Um, but your point is right, Tiggs, that with the way we deliver the ball to our forwards, it's not exactly favourable for someone trying to learn the craft there. So I would like to see him do more time in the ruck and just give Nank a bit of a break so we don't burn him out. But, uh, yeah, well, just to no, clarify, if, if Ryder or Mansell plays, or Marshall plays, either of those two boys plays, then I'd swap CCJ in for um, for Rioli. But if both of those tools aren't in, then yeah, um, um, I'd go like for like. The other thing as well, too, see, I wouldn't mind giving CC get one game under his belt to give get his feet moving because the following three weeks, he's up against Mac Horn. Then the week after that, we are going to be up against Tim English and West. And in the following week, we'll be up against um, Blixarves and... Um, Stanley. Stanley. Oh, yeah, Stanley. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's sort of why I wouldn't mind just, just get him in. And, and I, I agree with Tiggs. He needs time. He can't just be in and out like a tea bag. He's got to be in. And they've got to give him a block of games and say, you are the man. You're helping Nag. Get to it. Get to work. All righty. So we've spoken about who we want in. Um, key matchups. Uh, uh, you obviously want me to. Okay. Yeah, key matchups. Yeah. Okay. Um, Max King versus Noel Bolter is probably one that will be. Look, Max King had his breakout game or semi breakout game. Um, he's he's obviously an extremely good talent. Noel's stronger, just as quick, nearly as tall. 
like I reckon he can go um, one out with him and actually expose Max King for endurance. He, Max King won't chase him if Noel Bolter goes a run. So I'd be saying, no, when you, yeah, do you intercept marking? Do you contested marking? But, mate, if you can, I'd say to Grimes and the defenders, feed it to Bolter so he can run off Max. Um, try to expose them that way. But, yeah, that's going to be an important makeup. I think that uh, actually sort of ties into what CB said as well. If we get the right lineup in and Bolter can play as a proper backman, he will be able to do that. Yep. And and I can combine two here out of the next two. So so the next couple of matchups we were looking at was uh, Dougal Howard and Jake Carlisle versus Lynch and Rewalt. Then we also had Narux, Rowan Marshall versus Nan Curvis. But as we've just discussed, if Marshall is out, and Carlisle has to go into the Rock versus Nank slash CCJ, hopefully. Um, I think that might they might have to bring in a guy like Marsh. I can't think who their backup defender is. Um, Josh Battle can part time Ruck as well. Uh, but yeah, that's... Yeah, he's a good footballer, Josh Battle. He's yeah, yeah. A good footballer. Yeah. Not so, an ideal solution, albeit, but he can do it if he has to. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, we just might. Again, if we can just get our matchups in where we need them, we might be able to expose them with a bit of height um, deep forward. And the Saints might struggle a little bit. If we can get our ball movement right, um, the Saints might struggle. And I just think in the ruck, we can double team, just like we do against Grundy, you know, when we had Soldo and Ancurvis. Yeah. We just double team whoever they got in the ruck and just wear them down. Wear them down, we will run over the top in the second half. And I will say this, it was good that Jack Ross – how did Jack Ross go, guys? How was his game? He was Port. all right. He played a good role. He was a negative midfielder um, and played that well. Like, Wines really didn't touch the ball. Oh, well, he had his possessions, but Wines, if you watch the game, Wines' name was really wasn't damaging. He wasn't damaging. He didn't hurt yeah. us, did he? And a lot of that was Jack Ross. Yeah, um, I liked his game. Good. That's, well, he might be your man. He might be your man to go to steal. I might say, here's another role for you. Yeah. Well, that's well, how you learn. That's yeah, how you 100%. learn. Learn I mean, the game. I had Jack Steele versus Jack Graham, but that's not a bad proposition to have give it to Ross. Um, Steele, as you said before, has been smashing it this year. Shout out to uh, Cooper. Those who are on Facebook will know exactly what I mean when I say that. Um, he, we got it. We don't. We know we don't tag in a pure sense, but we have to just make sure we don't let him get off the leash like what Sidebottom does against us most years. So, whether it's Graham or Ross, whoever, even if it's a rotation of the two, whatever it might be, just make sure that he is contained as best we can without compromising our own game plan. Tiggs, last one. Yeah, it's the same too with the defence um, forward battle that we're going to have. So, you know, Memory, Battle, Higgins and Butler versus Asprey, Broad, Hawley, Baker. It's really our full seven defenders, not just those four. I'd probably, look, Memory's always a danger for him. I'd just put Broad on him the whole game. Um, wherever Memory goes, Broad should go. Broad's good as the air as Memory it can match him for strength and also for height. So um, with battle, um, you know, whoever's closest, you know, is it Asprey? Is it, is it, um, is it Grimes? But wherever we can get them is Higgins and Butler. And the other one's Gresham. It's, it's that little, they all look the same, the little forwards. It's Gresham's not injured, is he? It's that other small. Is there, Gresham's the smaller one? Yeah, he always kicks yeah, in. He's good. Against yeah, Gresham. He's, he's a good player. He, yeah, he's a good player. So we've got to include him in that mix, in that mix as well. So really Higgins, Butler, Gresham. What I'd basically say is, go, okay, Baker, you're on Higgins. Baker will hurt Higgins. Higgins has not got a tank, and Baker is an aggressive defender. If Baker can stay with him, we'll definitely stay with Higgins. Higgins is not an overhead marker, so we're not going to have to worry about head-high free kicks. If Baker starts throwing him to the ground, Higgins, Higgins has got a bit of a temper on him. If we can exploit that, I would then look at, you know, obviously with Butler, 
let him if he wants to run out of the forward fifty. Um, now someone needs to go with him because Butler's goals, you know, when they happen, boys, they happen when he's running into the forward fifty. Yep. Right. So someone has to be on his hammer twenty four seven. Um, when he's running in, if he's in the forward fifty, yeah, just treat him as another forward. Um, our, our zone defense will be able to cover him. He's shit in the air. Um, he's not as creative as people like to talk him up in relation to the dead ball off a stoppage. But where he gets you when he runs in, because um, he's got a really good tank, else he wouldn't have been in our side. So I would probably say to Hooli, Hooli's not the one for me. Um, I'd probably pick again. I'd lead to Rioli because Rioli knows him intimately. And so, hey, Rioli, here's a challenge. You know, we, we know you're a good player. Go on, Butler. But if that doesn't happen, we've got to have to give someone to him. He's their one. He's their barometer. Get on him. Don't allow him to run forward into his four, our forward 50. If, he's, if we can stop him running into our forward 50, we'll win the game and win it quite easily. He's that important to him. All right, there we go. There's a very good wrap-up of the upcoming game this week. So a reminder, the game is on Thursday night at 7.20 p.m. at Marvel Stadium against St Kilda. Uh, hopefully we get a good Tiger army out there and uh, nice and loud. So we'll get to the predictions. And as CB wanted to wait in, we'll do a free kick count uh, as well. Hey, do you want to do, how are we doing that, CB? Do you want to do how many we're going to get or just what the differential might be? No, I'm think? saying you got to call how many St Kilda's going to get and how many we're going to get. Oh, okay. We're going to both. All right. Uh, you can go first then. Right. So I'm going to say margin, 19 points to the favour of the Richmond Football Club. Free kicks. St Kilda, 26. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Richmond, 16. And I will say this, we'll get 10 of those free kicks after half time as they try and even it up. Oh, okay. I like your theory. Tiggs? I've got to – I think I'm going to be right on this. So, TT, you're listening, mate. Um, I'm interested to see your tweet come Monday or come after the game. I reckon St Kilda's shown their weakness this year. They don't like the heavy press. They don't like pressure on them. They drop their bundle. Um, teams can get a score, kick a score on them when they're getting bashed all across the ground. So if we do what we did to Port, we'd, we'll do it to St Kilda. Um, I reckon we'll win by 32 points, Tigers way. Okay. I reckon freeze four will be 21 to the Saints, 12 to Richmond. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it is. And, and, and oh, it's not be, out of the realms, though, is it? No, no. And it will be um, out of those 12 that we get, uh, we will get those junk free kicks. We've yes, yes, marked yes. the ball, but they call it in the back. We had three of those against Port. It's yeah. like fucking, you know, you're taking the piss. We'll get them when, you know, if we if your margin eventuates, we'll get them when we're 30 points up and it means nothing. It's like, have you guys ever defended a girl's honour? Any of you two boys ever defended a no. woman's honour? All right. You, defend a, you know what the umpires do to us? It's like you defend this beautiful woman's honour, right? And you get your hair kicked in. But not only bad enough, you get your head bashed in front of this beautiful woman you're defending. The guy takes his schlong out and has a pee on you. That's what the umpires do to us. It's just shocking. I'll give you one other stat. I would, I would love to know. I'm sure the Swamp thing or someone will have this number. I would love to know how many forward free kicks we get in our forward half compared to the opposition every game. Because we don't seem to get anything, but by Jesus, yeah. we seem to give a lot away yeah. defensively. And I would, I would just love to know what the disparity is there. Because we, we seem to get free kicks in the defensive half, but we don't really seem to get anything in the forward to, half. And it blows my you, mind. To add to your point, I'm sure they didn't show this in the highlights that you watched, but there was a point in the game where we were having a forward 50 entry 
Tom Lynch and Aaliyah Aaliyah were deep in the goal square and Aaliyah had Tom Lynch by the neck and the umpire yes. saw it and like, legitimately hand on the neck and play on. So Yeah, and the worst one, there was one worse than that. Do you remember when Aaliyah Aaliyah, again, because he was getting away with murder, Jack Rewalt and Aaliyah had gone for a contested ball. Oh, fell on him. They both, their bodies, body, bodies both hit. Now, CB, what normally happens when two players from either side, not Richmond or Port, but any side, they go up to a contest, the marking forward has a mark, but it gets spilled because they fall down on the ground and the actual defender falls on his head. He, the defender's <laughs> buttocks slam onto the forward's head. What do you reckon happens? Oh, it, it would normally be just, you know, I think they'd just say, play on. <laughs> oh, you're fucking... It was the worst free kick I've ever seen. Oh, a non-free kick. That was just... My margin, I'll go Richmond by 27 points and I reckon St Kilda will get 23 free kicks and we will get 14. Yeah, we'll get rain for the next, I reckon, four or five weeks because we've arced up weeks, about years. it. They just want to give it to us until it gets to a point where, you know, they go, okay, we have to even this up and then we, you know... Oh, well. I, I, I can't stand it. I'm sure the players will do the best they can and to uh, not have to worry about the result of free kicks. Oh, can uh, I give a personal shout-out? Yeah. Lee, Lee, please, love, don't let them bother you. Don't You've been yeah, getting really angry. Been yeah. I've been yes, loving it. I've been loving it. Seriously, Lee, I've been loving it, particularly when you talk about tools and putting your tools down and then you're just going off the umpires. Love your spirit, but don't let them give you an ulcer. You're too good of a person and don't give the maggots the satisfaction. That's a good shout. That uh, that did rattle Lee a little bit. I did see those tweets. Yeah, poor thing. Uh, all right, well, that wraps it up for the show. Thank you for coming on, gents. Much appreciated. And hopefully we're back again next week, fingers crossed, with a win on the board and we can uh, enjoy the game of on Thursday night. So until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.